all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Ho, ho, ho! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is a special holiday edition of All Bad Things. Yeah, I don't think that necessarily counted as a, as a hello. Well, it had an H and an O. It started with an H and ended in an O. Well, that's the same as hello. It's also the same as ho. Well, that's what Santa's supposed to say. Yeah, I know. I was um, they're raised... Gonna, they're going to ban that, too, someday. He can't say ho, ho, ho anymore. <laughs> So I was um, raised specifically not to believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> I was told from a very young age, like you age believe, four. You should believe in Jesus instead. Yes. <laughs> I was specifically told that there was no Santa Claus, but that other children believed that there was, so I shouldn't ruin it for them. Well, that's nice, at least. Yeah. Um, kind of. I remember there was a, like... Saint, not Saint Nick, but there was some other little holiday thingy where, like, you're supposed to leave your shoes outside your door and you'd get little candies and stuff around Christmas. I kind of remember that. We did it in it's, kindergarten. It sounds like something Dutch. <laughs> well, it was in Minnesota, so yeah. <laughs> sounds like something Scandinavians would do. It probably was. Um, and we did it in kindergarten, and then our neighbors, because we lived in a duplex at the time, I was so little at this point, like younger than six, um, they were putting out their shoes because their parents were going to give them candy, or Saint whoever was going to give them candy, um, but they were Catholic, so it was okay. We were evangelical, so it was not. And I remember crying because <laughs> I didn't get to put my shoes out to get candy. I'm not laughing at you crying. I swear. Oh, that's okay. I would laugh at me crying. That's what As a do. child, yeah. <laughs> um, what are we drinking tonight? Uh, we are having Lone Rider, which is a local Raleigh beer. Um, I have to take the... Take I can't it out of the that. koozie. Dead Eye Jack. I knew it was something Jack. So Dead Eye Jack, Dead Eye Jack porter. porter. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. It's not sweet. It's a little oh. bitter, yeah, for a porter. But it's good. It's... We... Ha- oh! So we're obviously recording ahead of time. We kind of alluded to that before. So this is actually, let's see, today we're recording, it's the 12th, so it's 13 days before Christmas, mm-hmm. 12 days before it's, this episode is coming out. But um, we just, in real time, had our snowpocalypse. Yes, we did. And it's, The snow is still there, too. Yeah, it, we, it we is. We still have it. It is, and it's four been days four later. days. Yeah, which is I think the longest that's, I've seen that's it. the longest I remember. Around. Usually yeah. it sticks around. It's pretty much gone by day two and day three. It's usually completely mm-hmm. gone. But We got six inches of snow here, um, and about, and then other places got like closer to a foot. It was pretty crazy. Um, and the roads have been a little hazardous. And <laughs> would so you like to share? <laughs> yeah. So on my way to work Monday morning, I got into a car accident on the interstate. So that was fun. Yeah. So I am now, just for the moment, we'll see, carless. Carless, yeah. Because it is totaled. All my airbags went off. Oh, did they Did they call you back about that? They haven't yet. Oh, okay. But but well, it's suspected well, it's totaled. We'll, we'll talk about that off air. Okay. 
<laughs> Let's discuss this entire situation. I'm sure it's fascinating to everyone but, else. Uh, but no, they did not. Other than to say that they had towed it. They've done that. Okay. So We need to get your golf clubs still. Yeah. They, <laughs> They're still they, in your they stuck still, trunk. They still have to investigate, yes. The trunk will not open. Yeah. But um, it was not your fault. It was not. Um, basically, like how I describe it, it happened in slow motion and like, an, like an that instant, at the yeah. same time. Like, there's this interchange about a mile away from my work exit um, that is a right-to-left interchange, and I've avoided probably three or four accidents there already in the almost four years that I've been working uh, for the company I work for. Not but, uh, not period. You've been working longer. Than yes, I have. For the current job <laughs> yes. that I have. Um, but this time I was not so lucky, but I saw the whole thing about to happen. Um I saw this car lose control getting off that interchange. All of a sudden, slid right in front of me. And I think, and I, for a split second, I was like, okay, I avoided it. I'm mm-hmm. out of it. And I think what had to have happened is when he hit the dividing wall, he, yeah. it ricocheted. All of a sudden, my side, uh, my driver's side airbags yeah. went off, and I was like, fuck, I'm hit. Yeah. And then my wheels locked up, and then I hit the, then I hit the, the, the uh, divider. Median, yeah. Um, and that's when the steering wheel airbag and the every airbag and the, went and off. And the passenger side yeah. airbag went off. So I was stunned for about a good two or three seconds, and I was like, "Okay, call the police." Did mm-hmm. that? Call my boss, who mm-hmm. literally had just driven past it. I'm like, oh shit, that <laughs> he was goes, you. <laughs> he goes, "That was you," and I'm like, "Yep, that was me." <laughs> and, so he knew uh, you were telling the truth. <laughs> yep, because he had just seen it. <laughs> um, and, and of course, had to call my lovely wife mm-hmm. to tell her to come pick me up because mm-hmm. thankfully I'm not dead. Yeah, <laughs> and well, neither is neither was it. Nobody was no it didn't seriously like hurt at all. And we're talking about at least five cars involved. Nine, yeah. they said. Yeah, yeah, the cops said. So and but the, uh, just the news thing said five. That's, yeah, that's, all that's why I'm saying that. The the EMS. Uh, the ambulance drove off without its lights on or its siren on, so I I think everyone was okay. It was early in the morning, like five, a little before six. Yeah. And um, and then like, we like probably five forty five. That's mm-hmm. usually about the time I get to work. Yeah, and then we took you to the emergency room just to make sure mm-hmm. you were all okay, and you were, which. I, the, the, both, like, the doctor and the nurse, everybody was like, oh, well, you're going to be sore in a couple of days, and it's a couple of days later. No, they said, they said, I'm going to be sore for the next couple of days. Yeah, and, and you have woke not up been yesterday, sore. I was fine. Today, you've been woke fine. Woke up today, I was fine. Awesome. I am made of steel. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't no, go I, with that no. in the future. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to think that when I'm on the highway going to work oh, again. Oh, God, no. So. No, so. But, yeah, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Could have been worse. So. yeah. Yeah, so that was our own uh, brush with bad things this <laughs> it, week. It made, made me think, uh, oh, we, we what if we still had, well, we did have like a podcast in the in the rotation ready to go. Oh, I got you. If you need <laughs> if I If I like died and it was like, well, this is the last. That's horrible. That is horrible. That's horrible. But that would make, that would make a top ten list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, nice segue. <laughs> yeah. That that was on my list. Shout out to our listener Felicity yes. who got us on our first podcast list. Like these are podcasts you our should. Our first list to. of anything. Of anything, yeah. So it's <laughs> ten 10 podcasts and it was to listen to for the summer because she's in Australia. And it is the summer in Australia, which will uh oh! Spoiler alert will come up in our episode. Okay. Um, 
Oh, well. And we were number eight on the list, which is super exciting. We, we were a spot ahead of yes. My Favorite Murder. Yes! <laughs> A few spots below the dollop, but yeah. that's understandable. I'll take that wheelhouse. That's a good <laughs> wheelhouse to be in. It was super awesome just to see like our podcast in print. I yeah. guess it Somebody was suggesting really it. fun. Yes. Yeah. So thank you, Felicity. That was that was really nice. Um, and then what else? Oh, that was it. I just had, <laughs> and my post-it note says, "Thank Felicity and car wreck." <laughs> oh yes, thank Felicity for the car wreck. <laughs> Thank you, Felicity. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so this is our Christmas slash holiday episode. Mm-hmm. And last year we did a mi- miracle sewed mini sewed. Mm-hmm. We did the Epic Descent of Vesna Volovich. Yes, we did. And so this year. Hardcore Beatles fan, Vesna Volovich. What? She was a big Beatles fan. Remember oh, that's the, right. Yeah. She met Paul McCartney. Nice. Yeah. Good good callback. I didn't remember that, and I was the one who researched it. Jeez. <laughs> that was like the main thing I remembered about it, is that Paul McCartney introduced her or met her or something at some the, point in her life. Yes. Did, I think she, she got to go to one of his concerts and like meet him. Yeah. Um, but so this year I decided, well, I was just researching this disaster, and realized that it was kind of a miracle sewed. So I was like, okay, this will be our whole topic for for our instead of a mini sewed, it'll be our whole topic for an entire episode. Why are you smirking? I had nothing. I just nothing. <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> I was gonna I was just gonna say yes because we don't want people cutting themselves on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> or any day. Or any day for that matter. Yeah. But especially Christmas Day. So this this one does end as well as it can. Okay. Put it that way. And stay tuned for the end. I have a special Christmas oh, present yes. for everybody. So, okay. Are we ready? Yes. This is the story of the Threadbow Landslide. Threadbow? I think so. Okay. Landslide? <laughs> yes. T-H-R-E-D-B-O. Sure. Have we done... Have we... We have. We that, have. That's we right. Did, um, yes. Oh, it was Argentina? in Venezuela. Venezuela. The Ica Sludge Flood. Yeah, I thought that was. I don't remember. We have. Yeah. Oh, yes, we have. <laughs> the answer is yes, we have. No, that one was in the Sludge Flood was in Hungary or some. Oh God, this is episode seventy-seven. How are we supposed to keep all those topics? Exactly. Straight? Anyway. So, but somebody out there is probably. <laughs> well, I mean, I have it on my spreadsheet, but I don't have my spreadsheet in front of me. So, on July 30th, 1997, a landslide in Threadbow, New South Wales, Australia, destroyed two ski lodges and killed 18 people. Wow. That's so. not fun. No. So, as always, credit to whom credit is due. This topic was suggested by our listener, Chris. So, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Um, now, as always, we'll set the scene uh, for the geographical location. We know where Australia is. I'm not going to go into that. But uh, the landslide took place in Threadbow, New South Wales, Australia. Do you know where New South Wales is? I mean, I think it's, like, relatively common to hear about. Like, I've heard of New South Wales it before. It's on, on the East Coast, it too, is. I think. It is. You're right. Um, it, it's a state in Australia. Right. Like, or, Victoria or, or is also a state. Aren't they no, called they're, provinces they're, there? Uh, in, in Wikipedia, they called it a state. Oh, okay. So, 
Um, like we talked about um, the blacks. Black Saturday brush fires. That yeah. was in Victoria. Okay. Which is where Melbourne is. Melbourne. Melbourne. Um, well, New South Wales is to the north of Victoria on the east coast. Sydney is in New South Wales. Okay. So, um, so obviously most of us have heard of Sydney. Sydney Opera House still on my bucket list. I very much have always wanted to go to the Sydney Opera House ever since I played Mario is Missing. And they featured... That was in the game? Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty cool. Luigi had to travel around the world to find Mario. Oh. It was a Super NES game. That's how old I I am. I was a bit old for that one at the time. I would have been playing playing Resident Evil at that time. Um, By the time you're hearing this, dear listeners, I have turned 34 on December 19th. So I'm old. Anyway, but you're older than me. I am. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so the coastline of New South Wales lies along the Tasman Sea, and then New Zealand is to the southeast of okay. that region. <laughs> Threadbow is a ski resort village in the extreme southern part of New South Wales, about halfway between Sydney, which is to its north, and then Melbourne, which is like west southwest. Um, it's about 500 kilometers or 310 miles south of Sydney. Okay. Um, and Melbourne is on the very southern tip of the eastern part of Australia in the state of Victoria, as I mentioned. So So it's probably also a lot of people coming from these areas to go to this lodge. To the resort. Yeah. yeah. It's a resort village, which yeah. we'll get into in a minute. So the closest... It's kind of like an adult playground, kind of, Well, I don't think it's adult necessarily. It's It's a... Family resort. Oh, oh okay. We'll, we'll get yeah, into that, that in a second. It, yeah. <laughs> it makes you not want to go there, huh? No, I'm saying it makes the story worse. There can be kids involved. Oh, spoiler alert. There's not. Oh, okay. So it's okay. Good. Um, I'm fine with that. The closest larger city to Threadbow is Canberra in New South Wales, which I have heard of. Uh, while Sydney is a coastal town, Threadbow is located inland in Kosciuszko National Park. Now, I had to look up that pronunciation because it's spelled K-O-S-C-I-U-S-Z-K-O. Sure. <laughs> but pronounced Kosciuszko. 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 Uh, so I hope that's correct. I got that online. If anyone in Australia cares to correct me, feel free. Yeah, that, which also means we're taking the uh, uh, Google how to pronounce a word segment out of this episode. I already looked that up. <laughs> um, so I hope I'm pronouncing Threadbow right. I mean, it looks just... Pretty straightforward, although in Australian it might be Threadbow. Oh, can I? I didn't tell our listeners. I figured out what that movie, that weird Australian art house movie that I saw. This was, I, I, I know I mentioned this on one of our episodes, but it was like ages ago. But there was this weird movie that I mentioned. I thought it was called Sissy, and it was an Australian movie. Really weird about like a lady who was naked a lot and painted her body black. Anyway, it was called Sweetie. It was called Sweetie, and it randomly occurred to me the other day. Bizarre film. Sounds like it. So that's that's all I have to say. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you're, let's move you're on. One of, uh, <laughs> you're one of 15 people that's seen it. <laughs> if anyone else has seen Sweetie, let me know. <laughs> and tell me if it's as bizarre as I recall from when I saw it when I was 12. I'm sure I didn't understand the subtext at that probably age. Probably not. Also probably shouldn't have been watching it, but... All right. So something I have to admit is that I never considered that there was skiing in Australia. 
Yeah, I guess I've never thought of that either. But I knew New Zealand was mountainous. Mm-hmm. Um, and cold. Yeah. You get pretty cold in New Zealand. Yeah. But I always thought of, like... So I've always thought of Australia as, like, the cities along the coastline and then bush in the middle, right? Like, just a lot of desert. But apparently not all of it is that way. My apologies to all of our Australian listeners for not understanding your beautiful lands. Um, But, so, yes, there are mountains and skiing in Australia. Uh, And not only does Australia have skiing, but there's a region that includes Kosciuszko National Park that is known as the Australian Alps. Oh, okay. So Never heard of them. Yeah, me neither. It's the highest mountain range in Australia. It goes from the southeastern part of New South Wales into Victoria, so down south into Victoria. Interesting. Yeah, which makes sense because that's going away from the equator because they're in the southern hemisphere. Mm Mm-hmm. The Australian Alps are themselves part of an even bigger mountain range called the Great Dividing Range, which runs about 3,000 kilometers, which is 1,900 miles, from northern Queensland, which is the state that's north of New South Wales, down through Victoria. So, um, now, again, quick reminder, because this will be pertinent to this story, for those of us in the northern hemisphere like me who constantly forget that the seasons are opposite. Yeah. In the Southern Hemisphere, as they are to us here in the Northern Hemisphere, remember, winter is like June through August. Remember, just before our winter begins, we made a summer <laughs> podcast playlist. Yes, in, yes, exactly. In and I had to do a double... T- I'm like, wait, a what, summer? summer? Oh, I'm like, uh-huh. because it is summer. Yeah, in the... Um, in Australia, at the moment. In the excellent podcast, Teacher's Pets, which is about a cold case in Australia, then they... Oh, I well, I won't spoil anything. Spoil anything about the story, but um, the, a woman went missing after going to the baths, the Sydney baths, and I think they mean like swimming pools. But anyway, sure. it was in January, and I was like, "Why are you going swimming in January?" Well, because it's the summer. It's basically like their July or mm-hmm. whatever. So. Anyway, it's just so weird to think of, but I bet it's just as backwards for them to yeah. think of. Like, wait, it's cold in of December. Course it is. Yeah. So, anyway. So threadboard, threadboard, <coughs> threadbow, threadbow. I liked threadborn though. That was kind of cool. I said threadboard. Oh, I thought you said. I thought you said threadborn. <laughs> threadborn. Threadborn. That's pretty good too. Threadbow is a, a, like a real resort town. The actual population of permanent residents there is just under five hundred people. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know but, exactly what they're talking about. Yeah, but about seven hundred thousand visitors come through every year. Um, in the summer, it's known for its hiking trails, fishing, rock climbing, all that outdoorsy shit that people who like camping for reasons unknown uh, do. Because it's fun. No, it is so not <laughs> fun. I don't know what's wrong with you people. You've never tried it, so how would you know? Because or have you tried it? No. Never? No, I never would. It's horrid. I'll get you camping one day. No, you one will night. not. You will not. One hour. No. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, it's and, more fun if you have a boat, remember. <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't mind, like, gallivanting around on the boat for a little bit, but, like, an hour and then I'm done. <laughs> like. That's not how it works in our family. We're, we're out on. You guys are so weird. We're out on it all day. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how your family operates. Your family's weird, but. <laughs> My family is weird, too, so it works. Um, 
This threadbow was very much planned to be a tourist attraction. It was created after the Snowy Mountain Scheme developed the area. So what exactly is the Snowy Mountain Scheme, you may ask? Well, I don't know, but it's got an ominous name right it in its title. Does. Scheme. It does. Um, it, must, it must mean something kind of different in different cultures. It has so a different context exactly in Australia. Exactly, a different connotation. It's, it's basically like a, a plan, sure. a development, yeah. a developed a area. A schematic, sure, for yeah. a schematic. Yes, exactly. Not like a nefarious plot. <laughs> you know, that's what I think of when I think of scheme. But um, So the Snowy Mountain Scheme was a hydroelectric irrigation and power generating system of dams and power stations and shit. Okay. And stuff. And shit. <laughs> Technology and Technology stuff. Technology and stuff. <clears throat> um, it's the largest such scheme in Australia. And in 1957, some of the people working on the scheme leased the land that would become Threatbow. The actual development of the village was done by a company called Lend Lease Corporation, which was a big uh, multinational development company based in Australia. And they modeled the village in a European style. So they were going for like a Swiss chalet aesthetic, sort of. And in Yeah, 19- I, can, I can see that. Yeah. Well, it's That's the Australian a lot of, Alps, so A lot Alps, of ski so. resorts kind of have that motif. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Either the log cabin mm-hmm. thing or the chalet thing, yeah. In 1987, Amalgamated Holdings Limited, which is now called Event Hospitality and Entertainment, bought the lease and has operated Threadbow ever since. Uh, Threadbow is still up and running. Uh, so okay. I wasn't the, going to ask that. Yeah, way. so the information I'm about to give about Threadbow itself is current, so I'm not sure if it was current 21 years ago when this disaster actually happened, but I'm just giving sort of current schematics. So Threadbow currently has more than 50 ski runs, including some of the longest in Australia, and the trails have fun names like Crackenback Ridge and Wushranja. <laughs> of course, they. <laughs> <laughs> Did that just. I liked your uh, pronunciation of that. Bushranger. Bushranger. <laughs> <coughs> Apologies to our Australian friends. That, it sounds is out like, of love. that sounds like the name of a ski trail in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, and damned if it is. It really is. <laughs> and they range from like bunny trails Bush. to black diamonds. <laughs> Bushranger. <laughs> to Black Diamond Trails. Uh, has 14 ski lifts. Do you know what a Black Diamond Trail is? Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if you did. I put it in there because mm. I was like, I wonder if they have Black Diamond Trails. Yeah, okay. they do. I was just asking. I don't know the entire system, like what leads up to a, a Black Diamond. No, a, a Black Diamond is essentially it's the designation for the toughest trail. I know. I'm course. saying I don't know what all the ones in between are. Yeah, there are the intermediate ones, <clears> which there's I like can't remember either. Red circles. Yeah. And, Yellow squares. And, yeah. Some uh, <laughs> shit like that. Some octagon shaped things, too. Probably. Oh, a stop sign. There's a parallelogram involved, I'm pretty sure. That's a good one. Um, the Krakenback. Trapezoids, too. <laughs> the Krakenback Super Trail is the single longest ski run in Australia. And I. <laughs> I wrote a note. So I, I uh, started this research a few weeks ago and then put it down for a little bit because I wanted to wait until Christmas for it. Um, I just put in in parentheses, tell skiing tales. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I feel like I've maybe told the story on the podcast before. I don't know. My only uh, skiing adventure was a fifth grade field trip when we lived in Minnesota they told us we were, we went downhill skiing 
and they told us we didn't need poles. And that was some bullshit. <laughs> it was the worst. Because that's how you want people to start. With, children. With a, yeah. 11-year-old children. It was the worst. I literally, like, got, uh, rode the little, it was, wasn't even a lift. It was a rope yeah. pulley thing. Yeah. Rode it to the top. Mm-hmm. Couldn't, So like, you were on a little bunny hill. I couldn't even balance myself. I had nothing that could hold on to the ground because they told us we didn't need poles, fuckers. And <laughs> maybe now I'm starting to realize maybe that's because they didn't want a bunch of like ten year olds each other. Right. Or as they fall, hitting each other in the face yeah. with poles. But but so all I did was like gradually fall. Like I tried <laughs> I would I would semi ski for like three feet and then kind of tip over and I had to do that all the way down the hill, and then I and, went. And you and, and I know had you att- attempted ice skating by this time or not even? Yeah, had but it, okay. it had been a while. And yeah. skiing is nothing like skating, for the record. I think it is. I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I just finally fucking made my way down the hill. I felt like everyone was staring at me because all I was doing was just sort of falling. I took off those fucking skis, sat in the launch for the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. That sounds like it should be a meme. Just like some 10-year-old kid throwing down their skis and like sitting down like in a lodge. Maybe that is a meme and I That's just missed it. That's all I did, yeah. I, 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 I fucking hated it and I'm never skiing again. <laughs> so we're not going to a lodge? We're not going I'll camping? I'll still be in the lodge. Oh, That's okay. fine. All right. I'll just stay in the lodge. I'll frolic in the snow. You know I like to frolic. Yes, I do. So, yeah. I haven't skied or... Snowboarded in such a long time, and I'm sure. Did I you would like be, it? Were you yes. good at it? But I just I played hockey so much that oh. I didn't. I mean, we were playing or, or practicing just about every day. So that was your winter sport, right? Yeah. So I just didn't have the time for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it, it takes a toll on your lower body. Oh yeah, you're very sore. I'm sure. And I'm if sure. I did it at this point, I would probably not be able to get out of bed for three days. Yeah, it'd be worse. It'd be worse than the freaking car accident say, you're I just got in. Car accident, but yeah, it's, unfortunately, snowboards don't come with airbags. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and snow is fucking hard. It can be. It really yeah. can be if it's packed up really tight. Yeah, yeah. or icy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, the oh, there's a there's a disaster we're talking about. Oh, the yeah. longer trails at Threadbow, like Village Trail and High Noon very kicky name, are five kilometers long, which is 3.15 miles for those of us who run. Uh, Threadbow also has a disc golf park for oh, the nice. summer. Isn't that oh, fun? Okay. So, hey, shout out to disc golf fans. We like a good game of disc golf. We've got a place to play when we go to Australia. There we go. It would be pretty cool to v- visit some disaster sites. Uh, just to visualize it. I don't know about, yeah, it'd be kind of strange, too. I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool. Anyway. I'd go to this place. Sounds like it's fun. Yeah. Um, And now it really is a village thread bow as opposed to just like a city with a bunch of independent lodges. Like it's a developed resort sort of thing. Um, There are hotels on site. But there's it's, also... Yeah, it's, prob- it's probably like Great Wolf Mountain Lodge or something. Yeah, it's probably maybe, in that vein. Maybe. We, I mean, just, I've never been. But, but just but. for skiing, not water slides. R- right, yeah. Um, there's a community center, a chapel, a oh, leisure center. Leisure? Uh-huh. Child care center, fun parks, which is why I'm like, no, it's not an adult playground. No. Yeah. Uh, and there's, <laughs> there's a fun park for little kids called Wombat World, which is the <laughs> cutest Australian thing I've ever heard. Wombat World. Wombat World. 
Moon that world. Oi. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> So about that top ten list, now we're off of it. I was going to say the same thing. Now we've offended all our Australian listeners. Uh, no. We, wom- what, wombat way? Wombat what? world. World. We, we mock those we love the absolute most. We mock the Canadians and the Australians because you guys are amazing. And yeah, you're the only people on super Earth. Super jealous. You're the only people on Earth like whiter than we are. <laughs> Well, none. You live in better countries than we do. Uh, <laughs> That's where it is. Canada's pretty fucking cold. I mean, more politically. Oh yeah. They've got us beat. Yeah. Well, it, hey, weed is legal nationwide now, so they've definitely got us. <laughs> they've, they've cornered that market. <laughs> That's true. Yep. Uh and now yes, I so oh, and they also have a car park. Sure. A parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I love Australian lingo. Uh, is, that what they, is that what they call it? A car park. They do oh. in England, too. Or oh. Britain, yeah. Um, I guess that's more accurate. Car park, yeah. Yeah. Parking. Well, we call them parking lots, parking decks, whatever. Parking but, garage. Yeah, yeah. Parking garage. A garage, yes. Um, <laughs> I remember... Uh, I think it was like the second episode of the American version of The Office where it was Diversity Day and Michael Scott made them wear uh, index cards on their foreheads that gave a different race and then they had to go around trying to give clues to each other as to what race they were. And someone was supposed to be Australian, so Kevin was like, hello, mate! And he just kept saying everything, mate! And then at some point, he was just like spouting off random things like, you know, shrimp on the barbie or whatever he said. have Have a Foster's. And he said... Dingo baby, <laughs> <laughs> which is such a complex case, by the way, way more complex. The whole dingo ate my baby. Oh, anyway, so getting off topic this episode. I apologize. Let's get to the horribleness, so then we can get to the miracle part. How about that? Um, well, just a little more information on <laughs> just some more info belt. before we get there. Yes, um, altitude-wise, Threadbow actually isn't really super high. Um, Its base is only at about 1,365 meters, which is 1,197 feet. For some uh, comparison... What did you say the meters in the the feet were? 1,365 meters, Mm -hmm. 1,197 feet. That's not right. No, that's not. Damn it! No, the meters, it's times three. Didn't this happen before? (laughs) That's... It's Jesus. it's around a, it's around a mile. It's close to it. Shit. Oh, God, um, but I, I, I can't remember, I can't remember what the what the meters. Why did I get that wrong again? Cuz I just used this stupid conversion thing. I'm sure this this is we're so professional. <laughs> that's some It's hey. 4806 feet. I don't so know. So that's yeah, so that's just shy of a mile. No, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I put the wrong number. 4,478 meters, foot, feet. God. Maybe this whole whole Google search we just did explains everything. Anyway. (laughs) Regardless of how many feet it is, it is about 250 meters lower than Denver. So just to give some context, Denver's actually at a higher altitude. Really is a a mile high. Yeah, Denver's, yeah, yeah. Um, because of this, the natural snow can be kind of unpredictable. 
You know, like it's, sure. it's not all that high, so it's not a guaranteed thing. So Threadbow has like a huge snowmaking system sure. to, to yeah. ensure that the, the slopes can still be skied on. So now this is where it's going to start getting important information to know. Above Threadbow in the mountains, there was an embankment called the Alpine Way Fill Embankment. So the Alpine Way was like a rural access road in the snowy mountains in New South Wales that ran past Threadbow. So as you'll recall, Threadbow was sort of like part of the snowy mountain scheme, which was like about irrigation and hydropower, sort of like an offshoot of it or whatever. Well, the Alpine Way was part of this scheme, and it was meant to just be like a temporary access road during construction. Um, At some point prior to this disaster, this was a little murky as to finding like dates or whatever. I do know that like the scheme started in the late 50s, and then this is like 40 years later. So at some point in between then, um, approval was given to put a water main in the Alpine Way embankment. Um, Unfortunately, this embankment wasn't the most stable place ever to put this water main, and that was known at the time. The embankment was known to be kind of unstable and especially prone to issues when saturated by water. However, unfortunately, no one was really monitoring the Alpine Way at the time of this disaster. After they no longer yeah, why, why would you want to? <laughs> after they no longer needed the access road, the Snowy Mountain Hydroelectric Authority like built up the road kind of so it wasn't just a little dinky access road and they transferred the ownership to the National Parks and Wildlife Service. But the National Parks and Wildlife Service couldn't afford to keep it maintained. So I have a feeling I, I didn't find like proof of this, but I have a feeling it was more like, here, it's yours now. <laughs> like you, they just, you, yeah, they just let it go. So they, they just, no one was really watching this embankment. They just let it go like the movie Frozen. <laughs> let it go. Like, um, like a uh, Adele Dazeem. Adele Dazeem, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so now we're getting into the disaster. So. July 30th, 1997, middle of winter because we're in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, ski season, that that season, was not particularly robust. It wasn't a great season, so there wasn't, like, a huge population coming through uh, Threadbow at that time. Around And that's important and actually a good thing, as it turns out. So around 11.30 p.m., the evening of July 30th, 1997, a landslide began to fill up the Alpine Way fill embankment. The pressure of the landslide caused the embankment's support to collapse, and then the landslide continued down to Threadbow Village. So there was just too much too much water and accumulation in the embankment. It went through the already kind of shitty, shittily built embankment and started coming straight. All the debris and liquefied earth and everything else started heading towards Threadbow Village. It it was estimated that about 1,100 tons of material, so that's 2.2 million pounds or about a million kilograms, of liquefied earth and debris, like, just swept into the village. And it smashed into the Karinya Ski Lodge, like, literally ripped it in half. Shit. That's how powerful this I'm, was. Yeah, I'm sure. 
And one all half... That, all that momentum. Yes. Just, huh. One half of the lodge was literally, like, pushed off the foundation. No shit. Um, it slid downhill across Bobuck Lane, like a street, and then it crashed into the western end of the Bimbadeen Ski Lodge, destroying both the part of the Karenya that had fallen down the hill mm-hmm. and the entire Bimbadeen Lodge. It sounds like a fucking Michael Bay movie. I know. Or, it, like, a, or like a James Bond movie. You don't think like, what the of fuck? water and debris, but the thing is... Going down. Gravity yeah, pulling it going down. Going downhill? Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, witnesses. <laughs> what dis- the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, witnesses yeah. were like, what the fuck? Well, so it was 1130. Holy shit. So they didn't talk about people seeing sure. this happen. They, pretty much everybody was probably in, in their lodges because it was nighttime. Sure. Um, so, but people some, heard it. There were some random people partying probably, I'm still, well, I'm sure. Well, people heard it. Yeah, no shit. They said fuck. it sounded like, quote, a whoosh of air, a crack, and a sound like a freight train running down the hill. Oh, my God. End quote. Mm-hmm. And some people reported that they heard, like, the faint sound of screaming. Oh, I'm sh- yeah, so. I'm sure. Um, sound travels quite a bit at night as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 17 people inside the Bimbadeen died, and there was only one person in the Carinia Lodge at the time, and they died as well. It was a man named John Cameron, so there was a total of 18 people who were killed. Um, The fact that it was a relatively slow ski season was good. It ended up, yeah, helping a, a lot of people. Now, to my recollection, I could be wrong about this, but I think... That the Bimbadeen, the one with the 17 people in it, was an employee's lodge. Oh, or at the very that, least, many employees were there. Okay. Anyway, so. That sucks. Uh, so, the first emergency call for the disaster was received at 11.37 p.m. at the New South Wales Fire Brigade's Communication Center in Wollongong. <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing oh. that right. <laughs> Say that again. Wollongong. <laughs> Wollongong. 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 Sure. Yeah. It's south of Sydney, uh, and it's actually a fair haul from Threadbow. It's like 457 kilometers away from Threadbow, which is like almost 300 miles. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a quick drive. No, but obviously they could dispatch to people who are closer. Sure. The entire landslide was so violent, the first call reported a potential explosion. Like, people were like, I think something exploded, not that there was a landslide. Not that there was a landslide. Um, And, um, like, it was initially sort of feared and reported that up to 100 people were trapped. So they were just... Sure, of course. Like I said, fortunately, it wasn't that much, but... Fucking A. Police finally arrived at 12.30 a.m., on July 31st. So I imagine the reason that it took almost an hour was because of the remoteness of the village. Sure. You know, um, uh, and they evacuated Threadbow. They're like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. This is a disaster area. And within a couple hours, they had about 100 professionals all on site, like doctors, police, firefighters, rescue workers, volunteers, everybody. They established a medical command post, and Inspector Rory O'Driscoll of the New South Wales Police arrived at 8.15 in the morning. Um, they, di- they couldn't really do anything overnight for a couple of reasons. One was it was dark, and they kind of couldn't 
Well, sure. It, it was impeding yeah. rescue yeah. efforts. And the it other thing. It makes it much harder to do a rescue if it's. Right. Pitch, and, and you're in the mountains. To start, too. especially. And yeah. the other thing is that they weren't sure were they going to do more harm than good if they started moving shit. So they. And um, is there going to be another. It, right, yeah. exactly. Another landslide potentially. So they flew geophysicists in. Sure. And around 10 a.m. on July 31st. They declared that, yes, it's okay. It was safe to work. Yeah, it's safe to start working. Um, The actual excavation work was really difficult. And even though it had been declared safe to dig, the landslide had exposed an underground stream that was actively flowing through the site. Oh, no shit. The instability of the work site, the conditions the rescue workers had to work in, led to exhaustion, hypothermia, and some minor injuries for the rescue workers. It wasn't very safe work. Yeah. Um, Rescue rescue work generally is not. No, but this was a a particularly hazardous site. Damn. Can you imagine that? Just under this whole time. There's this huge stream underneath. Yeah, yeah. Um, The temperatures ranged between 20 and 40 degrees Fahrenheit, which is negative 7 to 4 Celsius, during the day. And at night, dipped to 7 degrees Fahrenheit, or negative 14 Celsius. Or or what I grew up in and and had to fucking experience every day for about three months. At 4.20 p.m. on July 31st, so that was like 16-ish hours after the um, the landslide, they found the first body. Mm. Um, unfortunately, that was the only one they found that day, that uh. first day. Uh, there was, like I said, it was a tough site to work. They also started having some environmental concerns at this point. Water and sewage service had been cut off at Threadbow, and diesel fuel was seeping into Threadbow Creek. So that was the yeah. point. Um, they unearthed the second body early in the morning on August 1st, and then found a couple more people later on, two more people later on that day. So a total of four victims were found by August 1st. And at this point, the rescue workers, like, knew were digging for bodies. Uh, well, it became a recovery effort. Exactly. Yeah. Not a rescue effort. Um, the assistant police commissioner, Ken Maroney, said that the chances of finding anyone alive were, quote, quite remote. So so now, are we ready for the miracle sewed part of this? I kind of forgot that there was going to be one. Yes. <laughs> It was very depressing there for a little while. Yes, it's getting better. Um, oh, before I get there, this is the, to, for your edification, this is Threadbow. That's it during the winter, and that's it during the summer. I would, definitely, seen it. I would definitely go to this very place. Very pretty, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so be, That would be fun. Yeah. Um, so amongst the debris at the Threadbow site. We'll do our first live show. We're coming. <laughs> to in, Australia. In 2019. Hmm. <laughs> To Australia, to Threadbow. Are we? Probably not. (laughs) You never know. So, amongst the debris at Threadbow, there were large concrete slabs that had been part of a parking lot, Klopak, at the Bimbadine Lodge. This is going to be super hard to describe because I didn't have a great visual on it. So we're just going to have to okay. not get too into the details. But anyway. Everybody has their like own a, theater of mind. Right. Like a, I'm picturing like a broken up slab, sort of like an earthquake-ish, almost sort of stacked up on each other. Just like my arm movements are clearly indicating. <laughs> <laughs> Those arm movements that our, our dear listeners can see. Yes. <laughs> 
And these slabs were making rescue efforts especially difficult because it was really hard to dig around. Oh, because they were heavy as shit. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they probably needed, like, cranes and stuff to get in there to move some of them, right. I'm sure. Yeah. At 5.37 a.m. on Saturday, August 2nd, 54 hours approximately after the landslide, rescuers dropped sound equipment into a hole they had dug near the slabs. Now, this oh, was okay. SOP. Yeah. I could not find exact information on this. My guess is because they could either potentially hear if, if someone was moving underneath Absolutely. the debris or they could hear if the land was starting to move under the debris which could indicate that they needed to be careful you know like if they needed to evacuate again also that microphone probably also has like a ping noise that they can do with mm-hmm. it for radar like a radar thing to maybe. see like how deep is this hole maybe. like what what did this used to be mm-hmm. because you got to remember when something like this happens mm-hmm. you kind of have to reconstruct a what's, completely what's fucking obliterated building. Yeah. Like how? Like how is this going to look now? What room where is, is where? Each, yeah, where is each part? So, exactly. Yeah. So that makes sense that that would be one of the first things because they would be able to hear like faint right. moans or well, stuff like that. Guess what? Oh, they heard something. They heard movement, um, or what sounded like movement underneath these concrete slabs. About five minutes later, five forty-two a.m. Firefighter Steve Hurst yelled, Rescue team working overhead. Can anyone hear me? And a voice came from underneath the slabs and yelled, I can hear you. No shit. They shouted back, asked if the person was injured, and the voice replied, No, but my bloody feet are cold. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the most adorably Australian thing ever to say. That's so cute. Or should I say, My bloody feet are cold, mate. Yeah, but my bloody feet are cold. <laughs> we've, we've definitely lost all of Australia once they we've listen. We've offended all of our Australian listeners. Once they listeners. listen to this episode. Oh. We'll just put a disclaimer on the episode. Like, Can I Australians say, don't listen. My favorite thing is to hear people without American accents imitating Americans. Do American it's accents. the best. Because they can usually do it pretty well. Or... I don't know how. It sounds so fun and funny. Probably what my Australian accent sounds like. Anyway, yeah. Um, But you're you're right. I think that people who speak English with accents other than American accents do American accents better than we do other accents, for sure. But anyway. So, this voice belonged to a man named Stuart Diver. Kind of a fitting name. (laughs) Diving underground? Yeah. Uh, Stewart was an accomplished 27-year-old skier and a ski instructor at Threadbow. He had been inside the Bimbadine Ski Lodge with his fellow Threadbow workers and his wife, Sally Sophie Diver. At the time of the landslide, it was obviously pretty late in the evening, so... Now, there's a couple conflicting reports, but apparently he was just dressed only in his underwear, which would make sense if he had gone to bed. Um, but then I also saw something that said that he had a, a jacket and a small blanket, so I don't know. Anyway, uh, in the landslide, Sally and Stuart ended up buried about two meters or six and a half feet underneath three concrete slabs. Jesus. Yeah. Um, Sally was next to Stuart. She had gotten pinned down by one of the slabs. Immediately after the landslide, water was rushing down on them. Sure. And 
Stuart, this is this is gonna. There's some sad points in this too. This poor guy. Um, Stuart tried to keep her head above mm-hmm. water, almost drowning himself in the process. But unfortunately, Sally drowned. Oh and, man. Um. So again. Wait, I thought this was supposed to be like. We're the, getting there. We're getting <laughs> okay. there. Um. So <laughs> can we arrive, please? No, I'm, so, I'm kidding. So. Like I said, they first heard him 54 hours after the landslide. Oh, yeah. This guy was sitting potentially in his underwear, lying in water. I was going to say, was he treading water? No, or lying just, just in li- it. Okay. Like, it, he wasn't drowned. He, sure. He could breathe. Um, but And I also read he was, like, trapped between two uh, concrete slabs. He was holding his wife's hand the entire time. No shit. Yeah. Who was not alive, but, yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. So, Diver's Rescue was a very tricky operation. They had to be careful that they didn't disturb the slabs in a way that they would just crush him. Mm-hmm. You know? So, but they also knew that time was of the essence because this guy could get dehydrated. He could get hypothermic. He was, like, sitting in water in his underwear in freezing temperatures. Like, <laughs> for no two, wonder his for, feet... For two and a half days. Exactly. No wonder his feet were bloody cold, you know? To say the least. They they passed a pipe down in the gap where he was and, like, blasted some hot air in there to try and warm him up to prevent hypothermia. And they also passed down a tube that they could um, feed him liquids. Oh, I was, so was going to say. The, the Dehydrate. Yeah, I was going to say, getting him food and water probably wouldn't be all that tricky because they could rig some sort of operation to... But, yeah... Getting him, but getting clothes and stuff down there might be a little tricky. Who knows? Yeah, but either way, they got to get him out because because yes. the thing could just collapse on its exactly. own. Exactly, that's the main issue. Anyone who saw a very Brady Christmas knows that that's the main issue. <laughs> when Mike <laughs> Mike Brady gets, I, I did not uh, see that segue coming at all. <laughs> Mike Brady gets trapped inside a construction site. Yes, you have to be careful because it could collapse on him at any time. But it was a Brady Christmas miracle. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's. So they did, they figured out that instead of trying to go straight down to get him, even though that was just a couple meters down, the way they had to get to him was from the side. They literally dug through the side of a mountain and debris about 16 meters which is like 52 feet long. Mm-hmm. They dug a tunnel. That's how they got to him, was wow. from this side. It took a lot of work. Um, it took them about five hours just to be able to see him, just to, just to spot him. Um, they had to stop work a bunch of times because the it would things would start to get unstable and they would have to get the fuck out of there. Sure. It's just so, you know, they couldn't do anything with Stuart, but like everyone else needed to get out of there in case anything happened. But one paramedic, Paul Featherstone, refused to evacuate. And he just stayed with Stuart the entire time, talking to him, keeping him distracted um, so that he wouldn't be too afraid, which was really sweet. So, around 4.30 p.m. on August 2nd, 11 hours after they found him, 65 hours after he had been buried, Stuart Diver was finally pulled from the wreckage of the Threadbow landslide. He looked up at the sky, turned to Featherstone, and said, that sky is fantastic. 
Yeah, and his, and his poor wife. Oh, my God. I know. Here's pictures. That's Stuart. Okay. And that's them no removing shit. him. That yeah. poor guy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, we're going to get back to Stuart in a minute. He's okay. Sure. Just spoiler alert. But I'd like to end with him because that's where the uplifting part of this story is coming from. Finally. Uh, yeah. Um, by 1998, construction at Threadbow had been built back up uh, with better reinforcements and retaining walls. They also added equipment, um, inclinometers and piezometers. Anyway, that's like shit that can tell if the slope is moving, if Mm -hmm. water is rushing through the soil, that sort of shit. And they reopened a new ski lodge in June 2004. Mm. It took several years for the investigation to kind of get wrapped up in all the reports to get... Uh, released. The coroner's report was released in June of 2000, so almost three years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coroner determined that the landslide was caused by water from rain, melting snow, and leaking water coming from that water main uh, at Alpine Way. Jesus. Um, in December 2004, the Australian Supreme Court was like, um, no, it was just the water main. That was the main culprit of this whole thing. Uh, the main okay. had broken because of soil creep, which is, from what I could tell, like essentially a infinitesimally slow landslide. It likes erosion, kind of. Um, it then it saturated the 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 water from the water main saturated the slope, which was already unstable, and that caused the road and the embankment above to collapse dragging all the debris from the construction with it of, of that access road. Um, and the state government of New South Wales ended up spending $40 million on out-of-court settlements after the landslide. So it's kind of where that ended. So in the, in the spirit of Christmas and our miracle sowed, we're just going to have one more little downer thing in here, but <laughs> I know. Okay. So... After his ordeal, Stuart Diver was taken to the hospital, received treatment, mostly for frostbite. That was, like, the primary concern, which improved greatly within a few days, and he made a full recovery. And he proved himself an incredibly resilient person. He said in interviews that he contemplated suicide in the days after the disaster. Understandable. That's talk about traumatizing, and he lost his wife and everything else. Um, But he said, quote, the human mind's an amazing thing, and it just turned around and said, you're not ready to go, end hmm. quote. So he just had the resolve to keep going. Stewart went on to become the operations manager of the Threadbow Ski Resort. Nice. Okay. So talk about being willing to face your demons, no, no you shit. know, and just be like, no, I'm not going to let this chase me away from here. I can be here. It's okay. That's That takes a lot of guts, in my opinion. But um, he went on to marry a woman named Rosanna, and they had a daughter together. Sorry for another bummer, but... Um, Rosanna died in 2015 (laughs) from breast cancer. Jesus. In an interview after she died, Stewart still displayed the resilient attitude that got him through Sally's death. He said, quote, I mean, you can sit here and be miserable and, you know, say, poor me, look at what I've been through. But at some point you have to make a decision. I'm going to live life. 
Was it, was he saying this while he was loading one bullet into a chamber and like spinning it? And being Let like, me have my ending here. I'm sorry. Of his daughter, he said, quote, I'm definitely going to give her the tools to make sure that if anything big does happen in her life, and even if something small happens in her life, she's got the ability to deal with it. End quote. And Very here nice. is a picture of Stuart and his little daughter. Oh, okay. He's got the same face. He does. He looks yeah. really good. Well, he was born in 1970, so he's not oh, all that okay. old. No, he's not like 47. Not at all. He isn't. You're right. 48, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Men in their 40s just really aren't that old. Are they? And that, my friends, was the story of the Threadbow Landslide and the miracle sewed of our friend Stuart, Stuart Diver. Diver. Good on you, Stuart. Wow. Oh, shit. Talk about, like, just... I don't even want to. I do not even want to think a about a fucking good attitude. In that scenario with you <laughs> mm. or you with me. So I'm just not going to think about it. Yeah, I, I don't blame you, but that's just God. That guy had some good resilience. He grit. Talk about just absolutely being just bounce back from anything. So, are we ready for my my present? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm very much looking forward to this. <laughs> um, this episode is coming out on Christmas Eve. Uh, for anyone who celebrates it, Merry Christmas. For anyone who doesn't, hi. Happy holidays. <laughs> yeah, or just whatever. happy winter, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to give everybody a uh, Christmas poem. <laughs> poem. Poem. As as it as my gift. To our listeners, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, etc. 2018. From all bad things. <clears throat> From us to you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So set up like kind of what this is. Okay. The... It'll be pretty obvious like the second I start it. Sure, but. But this is a send up of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Okay. But it's about our show. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. You can't interrupt me. I won't. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> "'Twas the night before Christmas, as we tell our stories. The station and cable cars would make things quite gory. Gas clouds at Neo send thalidomide terrors. Datlov past mysteries and space shuttle errors. Rana Plaza workplace negligence created many dead, as the fun coast exploding colors messed with our heads. The sharks of the Indianapolis in year without a summer. The crash of the Concord and Versailles Hall, all bummers. Earthquakes in China and the stampede at Victoria Hall, flu epidemics, and hotshot heroes would sadly fall. Erebus was a tragic end to many a tourist, as the Eastland's end in the Chicago River was quite curious. Sludge floods in Tenerife and Coconut Grove, Andrew and the Shirtwaist Fire, then our first miracle sowed. (laughs) The Death Star and earthquakes in Mexico City, the Edmund Fitzgerald and Skneeliv were not pretty. The Great Irish Famine, the Epic Dust Bowl, and many stadium disasters and Vargas' tragic toll. Texas City up in flames, the molasses of Boston, Estonia's ferry capsizing, and the park slope crash-tossed in. (laughs) Centralia bubbles underground as brush fires break out. Heparin, Valletta, London's fog chokes the shouts. <laughs> the Selma Mine and JAL Flight 123, Sampung Apollo 1 and Russian bath liquid. How could it be? 
Tragedy at Le Mans and Four Parts on Chernobyl, City College, Hamlet, Chicken Plant. This is all horrible. <laughs> Vesuvius erupts and Flight 797 crashes. Haiti quakes, K219, Kogolitsi, and the Regency walkway collapses. Oh, the humanity, the Pike River mine. Galveston hurricane, Bradford, and Andy's cannibalism time. Cleveland's ill-fated balloons and blizzards in Iran. The Cleveland Clinic fire. What the hell is happening in that town, man? <laughs> Kids in the cockpit and tragedy at Ladbroke Grove. Bhopal Express Samina, a disastrous treasure trove. Cyclone Nargis and Bethnal Green as Threadbow leaves a sad but miraculous scene. Through 77 episodes, we've told you these tales and enjoyed your tweets, your suggestions, and lovely emails. We've shared these tragedies together, all anxiety-ridden friends who love these tales of woe with their horrible ends. But we still exclaim, in spite of all our fright, Happy Christmas to those who celebrate, and to all, a good night. That was... (laughs) That was awesome. Did you like that? Yes. (laughs) That was... Yes. Yes! That was all of our episodes in order. Yes. In... Tucked inside the see, I if you had just done them, I would not have gotten the concept. I mm. would, I would not. That's why I was like, explain it first, okay. and then I gotcha, I gotcha. Yes, it because was. because I'm not very bright. <laughs> it was the rhyming scheme of "Twas the Night Before Christmas." Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. I probably would not have picked up. On okay, that. but that but. was that was incredible. Thank you. Holy Thank shit! You. Thank you. <laughs> Somewhere a little that bit is, of a stretch. That is very, hey, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. You know, it also occurred to me, Vargas is what we were looking for. That was the was, one in Venezuela. That's the Vargas, one yeah. we were thinking of earlier in this episode. Yeah. That is pretty awesome, though. No shit. Thanks. I think we should frame this. We'll, we'll put this on the fridge. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, um. That really was cool. Next year, I'll do a chapter two. We'll do all the ones that we did after. Yeah, from Christmas uh, this year. From Christmas eighteen to yeah. Christmas nineteen. Yeah, make it a. How the fuck is it two thousand nineteen? And well, oh. as of when this podcast comes out like in eight week. days. Yeah. Uh-huh. I I don't know. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. It was one of those. You know, it went so fast, but it went so slow. Years, I think. I, well, I we think... should reflect more next week on our yeah New Year's episode, but. Ha, huh. so that was all the Threadbow uh, landslide miracle sewed, the survival, thankfully, of Stuart Diver. Yes. And our little Christmas poem. Yes. From which, us to you. Which was excellent. Thank you. And I, I am positive our dear listeners will enjoy it as well. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but we do appreciate your listens. Very and much we so. hope that whatever you're doing on Christmas Eve and Christmas, even even if you don't celebrate that you're having a great that day. at least you're enjoying yourself yeah 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 as always yes that's part of what this show is about like we're all having a better day than everyone we discuss that, that on we our talk show. about yes <laughs> and that's important and I just thought that like Stuart Diver's attitude possibly yeah. the best attitude yeah. I've ever heard of. That level of resilience, you know, if only we could all have that. That's it's amazing and yeah. astounding, and we can all just like cross our fingers that we could do that. You know. Well, you can count me out on that resilience. <laughs> like if something like that ever happened to you, I'd be like, mm, yeah. Oh. I'd, I would do it Romeo and Juliet style. No. Like, oh. <laughs> 
Well, on that cheering note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously it had its tragedy. I mean, we're talking about a landslide, but, you know, one very good outcome as well. Well, two very good outcomes. The second one being that, fortunately, this was kind of a slow right. season. It could have been worse. Could have been a lot been worse. worse. Sometimes so. it's all you have to say is like, well, it could have been, been worse. Yeah. So, unfortunately. But that was another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week and. Know your exits. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.